0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valuri, and this time I got a chance to talk to artist and designer Ninad Kothavale about his various experiences he has had in the creative journey so far. He shared some amazing insights about his thought process and the various lessons he has learned along the way. And we also went quite deep into the NFT space where Ninad is quite active, and he spoke about how he has navigated that space of art commerce and cryptocurrencies as always i really appreciate you all for the constant support towards the podcast and i hope you stick around till the end of the conversation as this was a really fun one with that said let's go cool so thanks again for coming on the podcast man we've been chatting for a while i guess just looking at each other's work so it's good to be able to have this conversation Mm. now
1: Yeah, I know. I I remember when I came across your work and like, I was like pretty amazed by it because I think like even at that time, I didn't know because I've been like uh, surrounded by like the design community and stuff and especially graphic design. So I don't usually come across like concept art or like what's happening in that world. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, this is happening in like around me and Mm -hmm. like people are doing this in the country. And I was like pretty amazed by it. And I think since then I've also come across a lot more concept artists like you know through your profile or just in general and I'm like wow I had no idea like there's so much like talent and
0: yeah I mean that's the, the interesting that thing right there's there are like these bubbles of art communities in different places and the moment you enter one space it just opens up a whole new world and yeah just and so many people. I think
1: yeah and it's so inspiring to see like you know people doing so
0: well in their like particular fields mm-hmm. so yeah it's been Nice. <laughs> so, what has your journey been like? Because the first thing from your side that I remember seeing was the thirty-six days of type in twenty twenty, I believe, when you had done that metallic frost kind of mm-hmm. look, and I really enjoyed that series quite a bit because it has that good, really good minimal lighting, and it's just like focused on that one style, and that was something that I enjoyed quite a bit.
1: Thank you. Like, yeah. So. I mean uh, the stuff that you came across first is stuff I got into like pretty late because as I said like for me um should just start at like where I come from and like yeah, my definitely. background let's
0: just get a background because I don't know much about your origin story so to speak as I came across <laughs> fairly recently so it'll be good to get a bit of understanding my
1: origin story I think uh it's still like I'm still in the process of it but so basically like I think uh around like 12th grade or something I had been uh, pretty like stuck on like you know I don't want to do any conventional like I don't want to get into a conventional field I don't want to do the usual engineering and stuff because my dad's an engineer and he kept pushing me for it Mm -hmm. I think as like most Indian families do and I was pretty clear that I don't want to do what he's doing that's the only thing I had in mind and then I was like okay I want to do something like more fun and stuff and so the most fun but the most technical thing at that point was architecture mm-hmm. that like my my mom was like you know you can do architecture I've researched and stuff I was like okay cool I'm gonna do that and then I joined like this little class where they used to teach me perspective drawing and stuff like that but I'm not that great at drawing but I kept like grinding at that class and I kept studying for architecture right because I was like okay that's what I'm gonna do I guess because that makes sense uh it seems like fun but I had no idea honestly and then just as my twelfth grade was ending, I don't know what happened, and I suddenly like started going through all these architecture colleges, and I started like seeing uh design as a side thing that was going on in these architecture colleges, and I was like, oh, there's a whole world out there. And as I kept researching, I was like, this seems interesting. And then I kept came across like visual design, and I was like, this seems like something that I think I might be more interested in. Mm-hmm. So I think two months before like NATA, which is the architecture exam. I was like, I don't want to do architecture. I have decided. So I completely scrapped it. And I was like, I'm not even going to give that exam. This is what I want to do. Completely impulsive. I applied to all the colleges at that time that I could. Some of them had like passed the date. Okay. So I couldn't even like apply to those. I was just like, whichever college has these, I would like Google like best colleges for this and stuff like (laughs) that. And I had no idea because I didn't know who to talk to. Nothing. So whatever list came up I would start like you know researching and then I obviously applied to your NIDs and like all these other private colleges that are there and
0: just to get again, some context I still had what, no idea. what year was this in when you were actually about to get into college
1: 2013-14 okay I think yeah yeah 2013, 14. So yeah and then I just gave all of these and I didn't get into a lot of them because I said like my drawing sucks mm-hmm. and most of these colleges for some reason are like looking at your uh, technical skills and your drawing and like a lot of weightage goes on that and then they have an interview round where they like figure out what your expectations are what your motivations are so then the only college that I kind of got a good feeling about was the college that had a, that had the written exam which was the drawing and your other aptitude stuff and the interview the same day okay so that kind of instilled confidence in me because I could actually talk to the teachers who were uh, you know teaching or conducting the course or whatever and they uh, like actually got that like connection with them where they asked me about like what I like and uh, why I want to get into design When fairly I had no idea at that point I just knew that I kind of have an inclination towards art I I was a huge film buff like I could like, I was dissecting like whatever films I was watching and stuff. So my actual design interview was me talking about winter soldier for like 15 minutes. Mm,
0: That's interesting. And
1: yeah. And that kind of left me with a good taste too, because I was like, these people are actually listening and kind of engaging with me, even though what I was about to do was completely different. It wasn't about film at all. So that's how it went. And I got into communication design and, uh, first year of college was terrible because again like a lot more focus is on like drawing and like getting your skills right making lines and uh getting colors right which is a whole another thing because uh, so I'm colorblind and mm. that's like <laughs> that's not the best thing like when you're like learning color theory because you know you're like what is the complementary colors and all I'm like dude like uh 50 of those colors just look the same to me right now I can't really tell so the foundation year of college was terrible. I almost like barely like scraped through like some conceptual work I could get through but I could never execute it as well. And we only had one class which kind of taught technical skills. So they would like touch upon Photoshop and stuff. And I'd never touched Photoshop before college. Like I would like play around with these online browser tools and stuff just to like, you know, add effects and all that but never Photoshop. So that was my first introduction and because I've always like uh, so like since I was a child I've been surrounded by kind of like some kind of technology or you know the internet because I kept moving as a child and I've like changed eight schools lived in like seven cities so Mm -hmm. I never really had like friends outside so like the internet was a place like where I could actually spend a lot of my time so we had those 256 kbps connections and I would play club penguin and you know just discover stuff like flash games and all that so like i'm pretty like uh well versed with like i can pick up soft things easier than like people around me that's what i realized in college so i picked up photoshop quite easily and then uh, the second year when we actually had to execute things on the computer for graphic design that's where i kind of realized that i'm not so bad at this like because i always had those concepts in my head i just had no way to execute mm-hmm. them because like uh, like through my hand it just turned out something horrible like it just looked nothing like what it was in my head and finally like the tool kind of allowed me to not only express myself but also like extend my imagination because i was like i can do this also now so of course like my earlier stuff my earlier design stuff was a lot more on the like i was like oh i can do this on photoshop so how can i retrofit that into like the concept that i'm trying to you know come up with so And then over time, like, as I got better at the software, as I got better at, like, the whole process of design, that kind of came to be. But that's what it was. Like, after foundation, I kind of realized that, you know, this is not something that is too far from me. And I kind of got that confidence back. I also did my first internship right, like, in my second year itself, which was a huge confidence boost for me because I thought that there's actually industry value. And people are looking for people, like, you know, people like me who can do these kind of things so i started working while i was uh, before we go into
0: the internship side of things i just wanted to touch upon the aspect of colorblindness because i think that's a pretty unique facet um is there any sort of foundation design or foundation color theory particularly catering towards artists who are colorblind i
1: i don't think so i've not ever come across it like because whenever they teach you like you have this like huge color wheel and they like have a color grid. I don't think they've taken into account like colorblind people Mm -hmm. because also I feel like uh, there's a huge gap between people who are designing and um, people who are actually out there. Cause like, it's not such a rare thing to be colorblind. Like I think there's like 5% of the men in the world are colorblind or something like that. So it's a lot of people. And uh, so while now they've started taking into account, like, you know, like in gaming that, now, accessibility tools, you'll always find like colorblind options, yeah. which is great, but in real life, not so much. So I feel like it's evolving now and people are realizing that we need to kind of uh, be more accessible. But while teaching, I don't think there was like, since that point, I've just been like using color on the basis of how they feel instead of like, you know, I know I'm picking brown. If I have to do that, then I just Google the color. Wow. Or, like So like I the hex code of the color, color
0: or something like that.
1: Yeah, I just Google like the Pantone shade or like I just Google dark brown or I like take a tree and then pick the color off it.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I mean, looking at your work, I would have never guessed that, you know, uh, (laughs) that's the process that you were following while creating your work. I mean, does it hinder you, your process at this point? Because now you've been doing it for a while. So are you completely used to working that way? Or was it challenging for you early on, especially?
1: Um, sometimes it is challenging because not so much when I'm doing art, Mm -hmm. because then it's like, I have no rules, right. I can use whatever color I want, Mm -hmm. but sometimes when I'm working with brands or, uh, like I was working at the studio, right. And then there we are working with very specific brands and like each color conveys a very particular thing. So I can't go from like blue to purple because the meaning would completely Mm -hmm. change. Like you don't want to see like a purple milk Tetra pack, for example. Like, you know, it gives a completely different connotation than a blue one. So then that time it's kind of hard because like when you have a design director and you're changing things on the fly, it can be a little tough. So you have to constantly ask people around you or like cross-check on Google. So that's the only hindrance I have. But apart from that, like more things which are intuitive on the basis of how they feel, how the colors look, how they interact with each other. I think that's not a problem at all.
0: Okay. Wow. That was really fascinating. That's interesting. I mean when you mentioned that it's not that uncommon just yesterday i was on a clubhouse call where there was this other artist who was also colorblind and another uh researcher who had studied about colorblindness in art and stuff like that so it's like suddenly it's quite common actually so that's
1: yes yeah i i feel like it was always there right just now we're like trying to consider all of these Mm. people like yeah for me it was like uh, and I don't think people talk about it a lot as well, because like, it's not such a huge deal, right? right? It's just like something that we've gotten so used to. Like, I remember like a few years back when actually like, uh, like, we we can't look at people's work on Instagram and figure out oh this guy's completely called or whatever. And we can tell right? like, yeah, I think there's like, uh, I don't know if you know him, Fesk who is out there making like amazing 3D art. Mm -hmm. He's colorblind too. And like, he was the first person who had like explicitly mentioned, I think on his bio or something, that he's a colorblind artist. And then when you see his work, it's full of like purples and reds. And then I was like, oh, I can tell now because like you're using very monochromatic color palette. And yeah, I feel like that kind of also reflects in my work. Like if you see like my comfort space would be like a monochromatic piece. Mm -hmm. Like color, I have to push a little harder because it's not so natural to me
0: but yeah <laughs> and that kind of I guess evolves your style in a particular direction as well and creates a niche for yourself as you progress
1: it does yeah like I could never do like all these colorful illustrations that like a lot of people
0: do because
1: I don't think that's my strong point mm-hmm. so you know and that kind of also helps me because I know where to focus on them
0: that's true so I guess this would be a good point to kind of circle back to the internship part. How how did you actually go about getting that internship opportunity? Was it something uh, that it was, was provided com- from the college? Or? Like like
1: most things in my life till now, it was completely random. A friend of mine just came and she was like, uh, you know, like this uh, this I, like does this person I know they're looking for interns. Would you be interested? And I was like, okay, I can apply. So I just like got in touch. They were like, can you just make this one thing as a sample? And I was in college, so I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" It takes two hours for me, so I did it. I sent it. They were like, "Okay, cool, come on board," and yeah. I went. And it turned out to be like a pretty good experience because uh, it was actually at uh, it was actually at KKR, the IPL team. Oh wow! That's okay. where my first internship was. So I literally like did like social media stuff for them. But it was my first industry exposure into like a very fast digital life because in college you're not told about like these one or two hour deadlines or like people sitting on your head so I got that pretty early on and uh, you have so much energy as an 18 year old that you're just like I will grind through I don't care about the hours nothing I'm having fun I'm getting free food (laughs) I'm getting paid as types and I'll do it so yeah that was my first internship experience and I think I got kind of hooked on to that culture because uh, even when college resumed I took on more internships from there. Like this was only two months long, but then I went on to another thing, which I would do after my college hours. Okay. I would go at four o'clock and I would sit there till the end of their day. And I kept doing these throughout college because I was just like, I need that stimulation now and I need to double down on like stuff that's making me feel confident and like improving my work.
0: I think that's a great point you touched upon. The moment you get certain amount of professional experience, you understand how much can be done in a single day. And that's yeah. nowhere close to what kind of work gets done in a college. So that oh. I guess you want to be more productive at the end of the day through those experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, cause the industry moves so fast, right? Like once you're in the industry, you know, like you have to deliberately take a break. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to let like in college you are like, yeah, you know, Uh, Of course, there's like in design college, there's still a grind, you have deadlines and stuff, but it's still very much like self-motivated. Like you can do something low effort and fail or whatever, but you know, there's not so much pressure, but when your stuff is actually going out, when like, I know like in my first internship, like I was getting paid a lot, nothing, but like, I know the stuff that I was making in that one hour, we could see the statistics because it was digital. So I Mm -hmm. could see that like 200,000 people are interacting with it in one night. Wow. And I was like, that is insane. I've got so many eyes. They don't care about design. They care about the team. They have that passion for the team. That's why they're interacting with it. But for me, it was like, it's happening through my design. And uh, just that kind of experience, that validation, that confidence that I got from there, I was like, I need more of this. It was like this dopamine rush of having to put our work out there, getting this like kind of instant feedback, And I kept working more in digital throughout college then. And yeah, also it kind of gave me a kickstart, right? Like while everybody was in college and all my classmates, I was doing something on the side that, you know, kind of uh, gave me more experience to do more college things and like kind of return back. I actually had like a kind of voice then and which was nice.
0: So from that point onwards i mean you professionally speaking you've worked on a variety of different industries like you've done work for retail for sports teams book cover designs how have you kind of yeah. evolved into so many different spaces and i guess the larger overarching question on top of that would be where do you find your let's say design focus within these industries
1: hmm yeah i think that's a that's an interesting question cuz when I got into, as I told you the story of how I got into design, I had no idea about it. Mm-hmm. And I got into how I knew I wanted to get into communication design was that the summary was basically like, uh, communication design is pretty much everything that you can do. It has film, animation, graphic design, UI, UX, everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, that gives me a lot of opportunity to explore because I have no idea what I want to do. And uh, so I think that's where it started is that when we were getting taught design, we realized that the same principles apply to like all of these things. And like, as a great designer has said, uh, Massimo Vignelli actually said that if you can design one thing, you can design everything, which is like that core has stuck with me. Cause I'm like, that's true, right? Like the purpose of design at the end of the day is to solve a problem, to make things better. Right. Now they can be a visual poster. They can be a chair or whatever. Now, of course, I might not be as good at making a chair, but that doesn't mean I can't give it a shot or I can't work with a person who might be good at it and like have my own inputs and insights. Cause, cause that's why the design process, because uh, it has like, it works on so many iterations, so much research that, uh, you know, it's an ever evolving process mm-hmm. and it allows you to kind of blend in and explore all of these different things. So while I was doing that in college also, um, I was also trying to explore that professionally. So I happened to get into like digital and like, you know, sports management and stuff. And then, uh, through that, then, because like KKR is so closely associated with Bollywood as well, I kind of started working for a lot of Bollywood stuff, which was like digital marketing for Bollywood films, for Bollywood actors and stuff. And you have no idea how much work goes behind that and it's all fast paced. So I was doing work for those things and, Somewhere, I also wanted to do advertising because, like, when I started out design, I was like, "Advertising is something so fascinating." Like, I've always been, uh, you know, drawn to like all these amazing ads, and you see these conceptual ads winning all these awards and things. So I was like, "I want to do that too." So when my first like official internship uh, period started from college, where they were like, "You have to do an internship for like four months," mm-hmm. I went to an ad agency. And that was a completely different experience. And I was like, hmm, this is not something I really want to continue doing <laughs> okay. because I don't enjoy that process as much. So yeah, I kept building contacts also in these various industries. So the first internship I did at KKR, then, like they approached me like two years after that, and they were like, Would you like to make the merchandise? And I was like, Hell yeah, why not? Like, mm-hmm. that's such an exciting like opportunity. I'm not, I'm not a merchandise designer. But I know, like, as a graphic designer, I can put graphics on, like, uh, you know, merchandise and, like, make them look cool. And I know what can work. And, you know, and it was insane. I made, like, t-shirts, caps, and, like, just a ridiculous amount of merchandise. And, like, just that feeling of, like, when I tuned into a match and a whole stadium was wearing that single t-shirt design and cheering for it. Man, I can't tell you. That was such an adrenaline Whoa, rush. So, that's
0: amazing. I mean, I just can't yeah. picture that. That's That must really, really <laughs> feel great
1: yeah and of course nobody thinks about that like you've never thought about like wow, well, this looks a certain way on your t-shirt but for me it was like just like these thousand people for some reason are wearing stuff that i made on my laptop <laughs> and uh, just like jumping around and like that was such a cool feeling yeah so
0: so at this point are you working with a particular agency or are you completely by yourself freelancing
1: so um i've been independent for like almost two years now. Uh, it'll be two years in October. I was working for Elephant Design before this, which is like an incredible studio. They do a lot of packaging and branding work, which I was doing there. That was my first out of college uh, job experience. Mm-hmm. And very grateful to those people, learned a lot about the industry, the process. And so since uh, like October, 2019, I've been independent and. The reason why I went independent, why I like left the studio, even though like you know it was like really industry standard work, was because I wanted to explore a lot more than what I was doing there. And I said like I'm a very restless person that way. Like I want to just get into things, and like that's just how college happened for me, right? Like one person was like Nick digital design, one person was like Nick merch, and then my final year thesis, I was like I don't want to do anything visual. I'll do an experience design. So like I've just been so restless with these things that I was like, I need more like stimulation in terms of my work. So the reason I went independent was because I wanted to pick up these other projects. I'd started learning 3D. Like I used to spend like a couple of hours at night after coming back from work, just trying to learn 3D and animation, see what I can do there. And so like, right as I went independent, uh, like a completely like different opportunity came by me, which was like making graphic design for a TV show. Oh, wow. and interesting and i was like okay i guess stuff is happening so um yeah like october i went freelance november i worked on the oneplus uh music fest that was happening and then december i got this like tv show opportunity where they were like um now the show's out and stuff but it was basically like uh, a lot of world building and doing a lot of graphic design for a sci-fi show it's like the okay computer thing Mm. and
0: that's right that's on Hotstar, right
1: yeah yeah that's on disney plus Hotstar, star and
0: what an experience <laughs> that's interesting i mean so you're just moving from industry to industry from project to project essentially as yes. you're going on in your professional journey as you gain more experience is there something that stands out to you more than the others where you feel like you can explore more or do you still feel like you're in that experimental restless phase so-called
1: I think I am in the dressless phase. And like, right now I'm doubting if it's a phase because it's been a while, right? Like, as I said, 2014 was when I actually started working in some way, even though I was in college. So it's been like six years. And uh, as I said, like that film design, like the TV show design was one thing, but I completely like, uh, I'm sorry, I like didn't answer your question, but right now, so I'm consulting an agency on like some brands, So, um, yeah, I work with like brands and their digital campaigns. And I'm also doing like this NFT thing where I'm like, just completely powering on with my like 3D art and stuff. So that's still happening. And yeah, so.
0: Yeah, and the NFT space is definitely, I want to discuss that with you, but I just want to touch upon a couple of more topics before we get into it. I feel that's a whole long conversation in itself, the journey that you've had so far. So, you know, like a lot of people who are trying to break into the industry often run into this question where they don't know what particular avenue or vertical of design to specialize in. But you're somebody obviously who's tackling different projects of different mediums and stuff like that. What is the mindset that is needed to be able to switch from one thing to the other and not get stuck in a particular way of thinking? Hmm. Uh, I think
1: that's a very like tough question because I've faced that too because I didn't like, I keep mentioning this. I didn't know I was getting into this and like, because it's been so impulsive my journey so far. um, I had no idea, but the whole thing of like, I had this entire phase where I wasn't doing much because I felt like there were so many things I wanted to do. And if I got into that, then I'd get distracted from my path or whatever. But one thing like, I remember I was like, I used to see these 3D things and I was like, I kind of want to try that out. Like, I just want to, you know, I don't know. It looks very fascinating to me. And I remember meeting John Newlander, who's like a amazing, like creative director, 3D artist. And I I asked him, I was like, you know, I kind of want to get into this. Like, what do you think? And he's been in the industry for, I don't know how many years. So uh, he was just like, what are you waiting for? Just do it like you know it doesn't make sense for you to think about it it's so easy it's everything's so accessible now you can go download blender it's free youtube is full of tutorials what are you waiting for like you're gonna waste what a weekend if you don't like it that's all right you're wasting way more just thinking about it so that's what i did like i actually that's not what i did after that conversation i spent six more months thinking about it (laughs) and then i picked up like 3d and i was like okay i'm just gonna go full on and do it and i think Since then, it's just been like just doing whatever comes my way, saying yes to anything that, you know, sounds remotely exciting, dipping my feet in and then figuring out if I can even do it. And as you keep doing that, you kind of figure out that it works out, you know, like there is a kind of demand because as long as you're good at what you do, which evolves over time, people will want you and people will keep pushing opportunities at you. If you go on my profile, it's so varied. There's some packaging work that I did at a studio. There's 3D art. There is like logo and graphic. And there's some like really undocumented stuff, like experience design and stuff. So uh, yeah, I feel like even if somebody like something catches one person's eye, they will give you an opportunity to, you know, explore more.
0: Mm, That's true. Yeah, I guess the main thing is to take the initiative and just start something rather than thinking. yeah
1: definitely like and at the end of the day like people who are gonna hire you people who like you know give you opportunities they just want like they don't care like how you do it they just want to get the work done and as long as you can figure out any way like you apply your like wicked brain in like different ways and give that to them kind of excite them as well and make it creative yeah how does it matter but I can see why that question kind of bothers a lot of people because it did me too like you know i was completely bogged down by that mm-hmm. but yeah the point is just to do it
0: and then see <laughs> so at this point in your professional work side of things where are you generally getting these clients from uh, have you just built up a client base over time or do they reach out through social media or behance how is it like for you
1: um, yeah it's been like completely like all different kinds of sources like uh since i went independent especially like Uh, you know, as a freelancer, there are these phases where you have too much work, sometimes you don't have much at all. And like, it's, you have to ride that wave. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just have to kind of manage on like, when you do personal work, put it out there. So people kind of know that, you know, you're working and you're active and push opportunities towards you. But a lot of it is like, I have a couple of clients that have been there since the very start like I did like really small things for them back in 2015 and now as their business has grown then you know their relationship with me has grown and like I get work from there then some of them computer I literally like Anand Gandhi the uh the producer of the show put out a Instagram story saying he's looking for graphic designer and I dm'd him. Oh, that's it
0: nice
1: like that's how that opportunity came it took like I was occupied for three months, crazy experience through a DM. That's what happened. And then like someone reached out to me for this consultation gig, uh, like on Instagram as well. And I've been like doing this for one year. So yeah, I think it's just like, as long as you, uh, there's two ways to go about it. I think you can act either like proactively reach out to people and see where you can add value or yeah, just people approach you because there's a lot of word of mouth in the industry as well once you do one thing mm-hmm. then they recommend them to like peers and yeah i think that's how the network kind of got
0: built that's interesting yeah i guess it all comes down to the work that you're doing is really awesome then people will keep recommending you from there
1: i feel like yeah as long as like the client's happy right like uh, that's what designs about that if it works for them they're going to be happy and they're going to recommend you and i think another way also is that Uh, because like right now, like I'm not taking any commissions, nothing, right. Mm. I can't take up work. So whatever work comes my way, I will push it towards like all these other peers. I have other designers that I know are so incredibly talented. So whenever I can't do something, I'm always like, you know, can I recommend a few people to you that you can reach out to? Because then I get to help out like other talented people in the space, other designers, my friends, and then they do the same. Mm. So we kind of got each other's bags because one person to have like this entire network is not possible. Right. So then we kind of like do that as well. And yeah, that's how I think it's sustainable.
0: Yeah. I think in my experience, the people who are really doing good work and are sustaining their career for a long period of time are not in this scarcity mindset where they're trying to hog everything for themselves. They are oh. happy to share the opportunity and just always recommending anyone that they can. So that's a great thing to see.
1: Yeah, I think it is very important because it's also the only way to grow the industry. Mm-hmm. Like uh, sometimes I might be going a little off no, no. Like, track with of the conversation. Here, but, um, I feel like sometimes we do a lot of work that we only do for other designers. Like, you know, we'll get a lot of love on Instagram and all that. But if you see the audience, it's just other designers and artists. Right. And I feel like that's not as much like so much productive because then we're just like circling around and the money is just going and like the opportunities are just going in that one circle. So it's very important to get like outside perspective, get as many people from the outside to understand the kind of work we're doing and actually share that. Right. Like uh, for example, like when I'm in a meeting with a client and they're talking about like their vision and stuff, I always try to like, I know all of these people who are doing insane things with maybe like their video content or, uh, you know, completely different system design and stuff. So I will try to be like, you know, I know this person who's doing like this kind of stuff. You might want to check it out. And it might not be applicable for this project, but now this one business person knows what's happening in the industry, right? And that kind of like just gets these eyes on, gets more like people involved. And it's the only way to grow, uh, I think, the industry. And we're so early on with like design and art in India, like commercial, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, as I said, like when I came across concept designers, I had no idea about it. But now I know that if there's a project, if I'm doing a film project, if I'm doing like a sci-fi project, for example, I know who to reach out to. Mm-hmm. And I know like I can build in and pull in those people. Or if I see like someone doing insane concept design, I can be like, you know, do you want to like brand the whole project, make some like kick-ass typography or logo? It's going to elevate your project as well. So through collaborations and through actually getting people from outside that little bubble that we spoke about is so important.
0: I think such an important part of what you just described is reaching out to people and building those connections, because it's one thing to just drop a like or a comment, but actually conversing with the people involved, reaching out to them. I feel that's a step that a lot of people skip out on. And I think that's where the real interesting conversations can start. I mean, that's how we started talking as well, just through a DM
1: and, you know, here we are. Yeah, definitely. Cause there's so much to do. There's so many opportunities. Like every day people are looking for designers and, you know, artists. And as we're also interacting with each other's work, I think this is where the real like productive growth lies is just uh, passing on opportunities, talking about the whole like space. Like that's why I'm right here because I'm like, know uh, even if like two people out there listen to this conversation are like in the work that we seek sometimes it can be a little too like there's a gap between the person behind it and Mm -hmm. the work that we put out so it's just that even if they realize that we all started somewhere we were not really shitty like back then and you know uh it's just about like doing these random things and uh, sticking at it so yeah i think
0: that's beneficial so over the last I would say a couple of months, you've gotten quite deep into the NFT space as well. And I remember when we had initially spoken, you were still dicey or unsure about whether you wanted to get into it or how or what kind of work you wanted to produce for it. So how has that journey been from that unsure moment to this time where you're quite involved with the community, especially with the NFT Asia group where you're quite active in the space over there?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So... I think I'll just, like, start with a little context because the first time I ever came across NFTs was quite late. It was in December last year Mm -hmm. when um, Beeple obviously put out, like, his NFTs and made a good sale, earned a lot of money out of that. And what I was talking about earlier, right, you're only going to get attention when there's money or, like, there's opportunities. So as an outsider, I have never invested in crypto before that. I, I knew it was there. I know like, you know, it's a lot to do with blockchains and stuff, but I really never like made the effort. But as soon as I saw that and 3D artist earned money out of that, okay. I was like, this is something to look, you know, look at, right? So after that, I was like, I didn't understand much because nobody was really talking about it back in December. And then as January came in, as February came in, a lot of the people I look up to, a lot of people that I follow started getting into NFTs and that's where I was like, hmm, there's something. And then because I'm still an outsider, because we're still like looking at things on like Instagram or like Twitter or whatever. I was like, I have no idea like how to even navigate. And is it just that you put your work out there and there's people waiting to give you money? How is that happening? Like, you know, what does, what do NFTs mean? Uh, What is this entire thing with with like the blockchain? And there's so much, like it's such a curve to like understand those things. Uh, and I'm the person who I am very impulsive with like, you know, stuff that I, the opportunities I take on, mm-hmm. but I'm also really like, I consider consequences and uh, I'm okay with being patient. So I wouldn't jump in, especially when it comes to putting my own money in. So the first thing I saw was that you need to like mint stuff and you need to spend like five, 7,000 bucks just to like list that NFT. And then if it gets sold for whatever amount, then yes, or else it doesn't. But I was like, if I'm going to spend an amount, I need to know what I'm getting into. So then I started researching on crypto. And I was like, okay. And then I started researching. I was like, okay, let me see how it works. So I actually put in a little bit of my money into like cryptocurrencies just to like get an understanding of how the process works. Right. And this was back in like February. And this was just before like NFTs blasted off. Yeah, I think March and,
0: and late Feb was like quite uh, a big peak march
1: point. was the biggest month for NFTs. so
0: this was in feb and then i saw like
1: uh amrit was doing stuff i've been following him and he was like in there and then uh this friend of mine yash Pradhan, was like he put out his nft and he managed to sell it like very quickly and i was like you know i i spoke to them like very briefly i was like do you think it's worth it and stuff and amrit told me the same thing he's like If you have those connections, you know, only then, otherwise you're just going to get lost in like this massive space that is out there. And then Yash was kind enough to give me a foundation invite at that point. And this was back in Feb where Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people were in there. And I was pretty excited about it because everybody was talking about it. But then as I started getting deeper, I was like, it's a lot of fluff because as you see, like there's hundreds of sales happening. There's a thousand of them that are not happening. And I was like, I'm not sure what my strategy is with this. I'm pretty unknown right now. Uh, I had like barely like 200 followers on Twitter. Nobody really cared. And that's where the NFT kind of conversations happen is that Twitter. So then I was like, I don't really know. So I held on. I didn't really put anything out there. Uh, Then there was this uh, grant that was out there, 7s grant thing uh, made by like Tim, who's like a, huge like collector, very active in the crypto NFT space. And he wanted to actually, uh, uh, he put out a grant where he would cover the minting costs and let you be a part of this exhibition only for Genesis pieces. Okay. So I was like, that sounds interesting because it sounds like it's coming from a person that has that experience. And also I'm not investing in actual money at that point. So if it gets selected well and good, if it doesn't, then not. And I've always been that person. If I see an open call, I apply. Like, I don't think twice nowadays, because that's how I've gotten like my art, especially when it comes to art, I've gotten so much of my art out there in the world because of open calls. So I just applied in and, uh, you know, I, it was selected as like a grantee, which I was happy with. And then that was back in like Feb, March. And they were like, we're going to do the exhibition soon. We want to like build up the hype and stuff. So I was like, okay. And then meanwhile, I also applied to Suspended Souls, which is pretty similar. Another concept where they cover your minting fees and they put out your work for 24 hours. If people buy it, they buy it. Otherwise they don't. And I just put out another piece.
0: Hmm? I was just saying, that's a pretty interesting concept. Like just that 24 hour lock-in period.
1: It's just 24 hours and it gets burned if nobody buys it Mm. and there's no minimum bid. So it kind of like gives you that weird safety net of, It might get sold for five dollars but it will get sold but also if nobody buys it it'll just get burned so i think that's kind of weirdly exciting and at that point i was like my art doesn't have value in the nft world yet Mm -hmm. because none of my art is out there nobody knows so i applied for that as well and that was back in like april i was still waiting for my genesis thing to come out i didn't want to put anything before that was out and then they uh, announced that they're gonna put it out in like middle of may so i was like okay that's when my first nft goes out so then i've spent feb march and april just being in the space researching reading looking at what's happening on twitter i have not put a single like artwork out there nothing i'm just trying to interact be very casual with everything out there right and then suspended so also my piece was selected they gave me a drop date it was 31st may so i was like now i have two drops in the same month but i'm kind of educated enough to navigate through the space cause it can be overwhelming and in the beginning of may i came across like oh big shout out to like crypto art india as well because most of the conversations i've had there in like march and april just to understand nfts and stuff they're such a helpful bunch of people like all of them like vc archangel like evil uh such a helpful bunch and like you know yeah, like what exchanges are out there how in india you can like navigate it so that happened the crypto art uh relief thing happened in may where i contributed a piece and we were able to like raise some money for like covid relief cuz that was a very tough time for us and so just while navigating all this i also came across nft asia met a couple of really amazing people there in my first week mm-hmm. and i just got kind of hooked to talking to them i was like there's such interesting people from like different parts of asia and uh, such different perspectives so as i got more active there uh, the community kind of got evolved. More people like joined in, a lot more conversations started happening and my piece was minted it was there for two weeks. Somebody told me don't worry about it, just let it be. It'll get sold when it gets sold. Don't think. I did that. So yeah, that's what my initial experience was that I just like, I came in like thinking that there's so much money out there, started learning. Now I know a lot more about crypto, a lot more about NFTs. I could actually like sit and educate someone that's how much i know but also like now it's just i've made so many friends and i'm so happy about like just those connections that uh it's yeah it's just nice to even lurk around now and spend so much time there
0: mm, that's interesting i mean there's there's that whole dichotomy in the nft space right because it's a lot about the art but it's a lot about the money as well and i think it's important not to shy away from that conversation because A lot of people are minting so-called not so great art and getting it sold, which does create those rifts in the community or the NFT space where (laughs) one does wonder like why certain kind of work gets sold for a higher price than the other. So how does somebody actually navigate that internally or mentally? Because as creators, you have a certain benchmark of what you think is good art and good design. Yeah. In the NFT space, it's a completely different mindset because collectors have their own reasons for why they are purchasing a certain piece. So how do you navigate that?
1: So for me personally, I like to kind of dissect it in a way where it makes sense to me, where I basically say that this is not limited to NFTs. Like I think back and I'm like, It was the same on Instagram, like a lot of low effort stuff was getting a lot more love than like a lot of stuff where people were putting in months of work, right? And so firstly, social media validation is not equal to the quality of work. And then second, when I look at traditional art space and how like, I I love art. I like reading about art way more than like, sometimes I feel like maybe I want to talk about art and I want to write about art more than I want to create it has like you know that's my way of just perceiving the world in a certain way so as I read more about the traditional art space as well I was like the quality of work was never like proportional to the value of you know the paintings that were being put out or the plays that were being written it was just like now we wonder we're like you know are we living in a trend generation where anything that you make on trend will sell faster but to think back what were all these art movements they were trends and you know if you created something during the impressionist time it will get a lot more attention because nobody cared about abstract at that point because it was just some guy drawing cubes but then when cubes got cool that's when like Uh, there were a lot more people wanting to buy cubes and one artist couldn't create all the cubes in the world. So then that's how like that movement happened. And that's how I look at trends as well. So then when I come back to the NFT space, I'm like, now the only thing is you're getting, people are getting validated with actual like money, with actual cryptocurrency. So then it kind of adds a layer to, uh, you know, not just likes, not just like engagement. It's also people actually getting paid for it. So then what is the value of art? And then that's a completely different conversation because NFTs is not about design. Mm -hmm. NFTs is not like, I'm a very rational person when I'm doing my design work because that's a process you follow. You know, you got to create stuff that works and it has to be high quality. But with art, it's so subjective. Like, uh, you know, like you will appreciate a completely different kind of like uh, art scene than I will. I like completely different kinds of work. And that's why it's so interesting because of course there's a whole conversation of like are people putting in enough effort are people genuine but apart from that if you just look at the art out there I feel like it's so subjective just look at the traditional world is all I say because it's happened that you know things that I think are very like not so great pieces of art have only been valued higher because collectors started investing in it and that's the thing with collectors is that when somebody puts a million dollars into a piece of art they're not going to talk bad about it. Of course. Because when the artist creates other pieces of work, they want other collectors to also buy those pieces of work. That's when the artist's value goes
0: up. And hence, and the original 1 million is worth far more eventually.
1: Yeah, because now you've sold 20 pieces. People have bought it for 1, 3, 7, 11 million. And now the first piece that this guy created that I bought for a million is now worth 20 million. Mm-hmm. So now that collector is like, Get that investment back, and that's exactly how the NFT. Why are people investing so much in like the Beeple artworks? Because they think he's big. They think he's gonna get bigger. The artwork that sold for sixty-nine million dollars is gonna be worth three hundred million dollars or whatever in two months, whatever it is. So everybody has their own perspective. Everybody applies their own logic, and you know, are some people just collect it because they like it? They connect with it. Like, it could be a little dot on the screen that somebody was like, I connect with this way more than a piece of elaborate 3D concept art because I just don't get those paintings, but I get this one dot speaking to me. So I feel like there's a space for everything. It's mm. just about like patience. As I said, like, if you were drawing cubes, you wouldn't be cool back then, but in 10 years, you were cool. So if you think, the art that you're creating is genuine. You're putting it out there. It's not influenced by much except for like yourself and like what's around you. Just have patience. Someday, some guy is going to see it. He's going to connect to it or you're going to create connections where they connect with your personality. That's also what NFTs are about is that why there's so many clubhouses happening, why there's so many Twitter spaces happening. These discords are filled with people like NFT Asia, huge shout out. Like I've met the best of people and I've connected like, you know, On deeper level with them. Like the conversations I've had have gone far beyond like art and just the NFT space. We've spoken about like life and I've actually like invested in a person who like lives in Indonesia or something. I'm best friends with like people in Singapore because it's just that we met through NFTs but now I have this and now I know that uh, you know you're into a certain kind of art I know a friend of mine is doing that kind of art. I'm going to shill them. I'm going to be like, you have to check this out. You've got the money, you know, these people are dedicated. They're genuine human people. You need to talk to these people. You'll realize they're like so invested in it. And that's a,
0: like, that's something like that's so beautiful about these spaces. I think that. the way you've been describing this entire space, I can see that you really enjoy being in that world of art, commerce, crypto, all, you know, molded into one space and it comes from a place of really wanting to be there and not trying to let's say make a quick buck or make a quick ten thousand dollars and leave the next day because of (laughs) course when people are making so much money there is this tendency like hey, i want my payday tomorrow as well but that's clearly not going to be the case because you yourself waited for a good three four months understood the space before really going deeper into it and yeah. yeah
1: and i'd like people to see that is that uh because when the March boom happened, one of the problems and one of the reasons I had slowed down was that people came in for a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Like if I would have got that opportunity back in Feb, like, you know, I minted my first work on foundation, it got sold. I would probably not be this person. The mm-hmm. fact that I spent so much time, like if I would have made a quick buck and then like I would have put like five more works out there, they all sold quick. Then the sixth, seventh, eighth didn't sell. I would be like, okay, NFTs are dead. I'm out. But the thing that I took time to understand the space, the people who are in the space, the people who are invested in it, I was like, they're in it for much longer. The reason why people are spending all these thousands and millions of dollars is not because they want to give away their money. It's because they believe that this is worth far more in the future. And this is going to change, you know, a lot of people's lives. So people who like came in in Feb, March and left are, are the reason why it kind of crashed is because people thought it's like a bubble that burst, but actually there's a lot more people that are coming in now, like a lot of like bigger brands, a lot of bigger artists are kind of coming into NFTs as well. And it's a slow process. Yeah, I mean, it's like like
0: there are ebbs and flows in every art market or just markets in general. So it's bound to happen. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, It's just, I think, a lot more scary because crypto is volatile, right? Right. Like uh, it has so many factors that like half of them I can't understand but it's a water so i can see why people are scared but right now it's an interesting time like and as you said like i have taken my time my last piece that was that i made two sales and like one week at the end of may and after that i have just not put out any work mm, because that's interesting. i'm taking my time to develop my next work and i'm not. i'm in no hurry i might put it out um probably end of this month oh. is what i'm looking at but like for crypto it's huge because crypto everything changes every day so if you see like somebody like not putting out stuff for two months that's two years hmm. that's two years in crypto that's like dude this guy disappeared he went on a vacation there's almost like and this
0: expectation or anticipation like what's gonna come next after the two yeah, months yeah
1: it's just like Or has he disappeared? Is he not going to do NFTs anymore? So, but like, I have taken that time. I'm like, I didn't disappear completely. I'm active in the space. I took that time to, uh, like, you know, embrace like also NFT Asia as well. Um, actually talk to these people, see how we can promote everybody's art and what interesting stuff is happening. Um, nowadays, I'm also looking at other projects. I also started. because now I got some like, uh, I got some capital through selling my art. Now I'm seeing how I can put it back and kind of getting an experience of the other side of the deal.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear, man. I mean, even for me personally, I've been like in the space just observing because I've been interacting with some of the same people that you mentioned. And I know for a fact how helpful all of them have been in educating newcomers in the industry. And I think just learning about so many different artists and designers out there, creators out there has been something that's really interesting. And just talking to you, I'm getting more insights about the NFT space. And I would like to you know, connect with more people through you and just yeah. eventually get to know more people. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, because art mm. and commerce will anyway keep happening on the site.
1: It, it is, it's a, it's, it's a par and parcel affair, And th- that's what it's like, right? Like, as you said that it's all about the interesting people who make it. Mm-hmm. If they were just, because NFTs have existed for a while, right? But yeah. the kind of projects that you see before 2020 were a lot more like, um, I wouldn't say they were fine art. They were a lot more like blockchain oriented. There were projects like uh, CryptoPunks or whatever, which was the, like a lot of generative art, a lot of just interesting things that they could do with, The smart contract, which is basically like, if you get a code, how do you play around with it, right? But I think 2019, 2020, when actual artists started getting into it, is now that you see this whole wave. Um, And what we can do with the technology that's out there. Because at the end of the day, why I am so into it is, of course, the people, the community, but also the technology. Because I feel like uh, there's going to be ways where I can elevate like this workflow, right? Like, I'm a completely digital person. Like, uh, I don't really, like, I'm not really, like, out there partying, socializing, not my thing. So through digital mediums, if you're able to make these connections and it's all happening on the base of, like, this art world, that's amazing.
0: So I was curious, like, what made you choose Breathe as your genesis piece? What was it about that piece that you wanted to choose it?
1: So, yeah. Um, Okay, right now, so then we're going to like backtrack because Breathe was created back in May 2020. Oh, okay. And uh, since the pandemic happened, right? So for like, okay, computer, I was like out there in the field working. We were traveling or whatever. And then March, I came back uh, at home. And since March, I have been home. And after going independent, it was the first time I was just like in one place. And as a freelancer, like uh, it has a lot to do with because you're the only person driving yourself. Right. And for me, it's like, of course, right now all we've spoken about is like positive stuff. Everything's like amazing. The journey is being smooth. It's really not. Like there have been days where it's not about like not having work. It's just about like not having motivation to do these things that I mentioned. Is to just not go out and do it. Not apply for these open calls. Not DM people. Nothing. Right. So. I had like a lot of those phases I was like um, I was dealing with a lot of like mental health issues because they've obviously been prevalent but since the pandemic it just resurfaced in a way that there's nothing distracting me I right. was like yeah. I can't go out I can't just like you know go for a coffee, meet somebody and like take my mind off of things so when those things resurfaced it actually like uh I was like, I need to like figure out how to deal with this by myself now because there's nothing else going on. The streets are silent. It's like, everybody's talking about uh, the pandemic on social media. There's nothing really like amazing, positive happening, right? So that's when the work that I was creating kind of, I started working on this piece and I realized that I want to create something really calm because that's what I want to remind myself of is that, while there's so much chaos going on uh, in the world, it's exactly how the world is, that the pandemic was happening, like, you know, systems were being changed, but the street outside my house was dead silent. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it was in my head, is that there were so many thoughts that kind of resurfaced. I was not able to deal with it, Uh, but I needed to remind myself that I needed to slow down. And that's what the piece was that I made Breathe which was just like this very calming like thing and that's completely like my aesthetic is that super clean minimal not too many colors and all that and uh, I really loved how the piece turned out and I worked on that piece for like a month because again like being a designer I I'm impulsive with what I get into but I can't leave it till I'm happy with it so I kept working on iterations Uh, until like I would make it I would leave it for like three four days come back to it and be like that doesn't seem right so it took like a month and that was a kind of meditative process for me as well so because before that I think like if you scroll down on my Instagram I was creating 3D work but it was a lot more like experimental a lot more fun so this was kind of the first piece where I took my time and I was like I know what I'm making and I want to make sure it's right. So I, when I look at the piece, by the way, I still don't think it's perfect. There's still like things that bother me. <laughs> and I'm like, I can change it. But I have put it out. It's gone. So when I got into NFTs, I was like, I'm going to start with this piece. Because I saw that people connected with it even when I put it out. Because it came with like a written piece that like, I wrote. And I felt like it was an overall like display of who I am and what I want to be. And like the kind of stuff I want to put out so I knew it was going to be my genesis like
0: yeah I think it's one of those pieces where there are a combination of factors there's your design aesthetic then the circumstances in the world during which it was created and then the purpose for what you were making it actually so all these things combining together created something pretty interesting and I mean it's not the kind of artwork that I generally look at on a daily basis but I really enjoyed that quite a bit because it was like you said it was kind of breaking your own pattern in a way and pattern in your life pattern in your work so it was quite an interesting thing to look at yeah
1: like it's just that right like i felt like this was the first piece that i want to put out this is where i want to like start it Mm -hmm. and yeah i was happy
0: just talking a bit more about your design process so to speak when you're developing these artworks um do you write down stuff on paper first do you have certain ideas in your mind already or is it more like jump into 3d and figure stuff out as the process develops
1: so we're talking about like art now right like the stuff that i'm making so um completely depends like on what i'm trying to do like Mm -hmm. for example breathe did not have a sketch okay like breathe was in my head and i was like this is what i want and uh, it developed over time because when i talk about my design process it is that it's very evolving it's very that's why I can't create something. I don't think I can create art in a weekend that I would love to put out and sell it as an NFT because I'm simply like, uh, I'm going to have different ideas in two days. I'm going to feel differently about this piece. And if I'm going to put something out for the world, I want to at least look at it for a few days before other people look at it. Because yeah. I'm also kind of scared because I'm now I'm starting to like be a little more vulnerable with my art. Because when Breathe was sold, I was like, there's somebody there who values it Mm -hmm. that values my vulnerability and I was like I want to make it a little more insightful now and so yeah when like when shit is too personal uh, you're like a little afraid and uh, so my process is like changing now so uh, I have a few ideas for like uh, the next series that I want to do I don't know when I'll start it it's not the immediate one but those I've written down I, I actually start with words like because I've never been a person who draws, right, but, uh, like, I can write, I think, decently well. I can talk about art, so I write down a lot of words, and I write down, like, a lot of ideas that I have sometimes, and uh, that's what then, like, evolves into uh, an art piece, because I'll be, like, okay, so I want to do something that, you know, I'm learning, I want to talk about just breathing, for example, I want to, like, I'm super inspired by, like, Japan and all this, I want to, like, translate those into some ideas or the blockchain, whatever it is. So I just write these things down and just let it brew then. Like I know what I've written down for my next series and mm-hmm. it'll keep brewing in my head. I'll keep like looking at art or have other ideas that can
0: then evolve into something. That's amazing. I also love writing down these ideas and thoughts. So I think that's a brilliant thing that you're doing. I feel it's kind of like an underrated technique to get your thoughts out. There. Yeah. A lot of, because we work in the visual medium, we think sketching it out is the best way to start it. But I genuinely think writing down something gives it an abstract shape that you can, like you said, brewing in your mind at the back and allowing it the time to develop, essentially.
1: Yeah, 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 you're right. And you know what you said, because it's such a visual medium. For me, what happens is if I start with a sketch, like for me to take it from a sketch to like execution is just not natural enough. Mm Because a lot of like development happens on the tool I'm working with as well, right? And uh, I try to work with like, I have references, but not as many. So what this brewing really does with these words is that it helps me really like um, get that like originality, because I know that this thing has brewed in my head for like a few months, it's not immediately inspired by something I must have seen or something i must have read Uh so that brewing really like it's like fine wine right like it's just aging over time and at the end you're just going to get something completely
0: different because i've gone through millions of thoughts in those two months that's a great point it's not an immediate ripoff or replication of something that inspired you in the moment but rather an amalgamation of thoughts over the past couple of months that's a big difference
1: yeah and yeah, yeah yeah I appreciate people who can do that, Mm -hmm. who can immediately have a thought, execute it, put it out. Like I really am like in awe of those people who do like, um, you know, any kind of political art, any kind of topical art, because that takes such quick thought, right? But for me, that impulse is scary. It scares me because just the kind of person I've been is that like, uh, it kind of comes down to like, because I was focusing so much on work, I've made like decisions in my personal life that I've been so impulsive, not so thought of, mm-hmm. that now I'm not so happy with, like I'm completely like, uh, you know, destroyed by those decisions or whatever. And that kind of is now reflecting in my work where I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I want each thought I have to be brewed at least for a little bit. So I know it is what I want because yeah, the, the person, I, I look back at the Nanad in December, i can't relate to him mm-hmm. and that's december that's four months back so um,
0: yeah it's, yeah. it's kind of scary in a way but no i appreciate the transparency in this thought process because there is a certain vulnerability required just to divulge the way you create something so i think i really appreciate the fact that you're willing to go into these subjects as well just talking about the tools that you mentioned earlier cinema 4d is of course like a very big part of the NFT space, I would say, because a lot of the work gets done through that. Yeah. What what do you feel about, like, there is something called trend that we already spoke about, but outright ripping off other people's work and styles that other people have generated, that's also something that's become quite a negative aspect of this art space in NFTs, but art in general that I'm seeing quite a bit. What what Mm. are your thoughts about that? Because... I'm just curious to know what you think about that.
1: So uh, we would go back to then like being like artist subjective and all of those things, right? Because for me, it's like, if I see a piece which like reminds me of like another piece very strongly, I feel like the artist has not had any uh, personal inputs on their or you know it's just a stylistic piece mm-hmm. then I would prefer the original or I would prefer like the stuff that connected me with me way more it could also happen that I see the ripped off piece first and then I see the original piece then I'm completely confused because I connected with the ripped off piece first for example right, right? right. I'm not gonna buy it I'm not gonna put money in it but I feel like in that way art is so subjective because we were talking about like uh, art movements earlier. All of those pieces kind of look similar. Not going to lie,
0: right? Yes, like, like cannibalizing to, uh, each other's work in a sense and creating variations. Out of it. Yeah,
1: world. like what was the abstract movement? It was all of the very similar stuff, right? Like there were some people who managed to like kind of boost out. Like when you see a Jackson Pollock, you know, like if somebody else does like drip paintings, you're always going to be reminded of him because he's so huge. But what if he wasn't? right? Then you just have a bunch of artists creating these kind of things, which again, because art is so subjective, I don't think it's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't like completely like rip off a person's concept uh, and like executed it in the same way. Right, right. I think as long as we leave room for their interpretation, that personal touch, uh, because it's not like every person has their own style. Like I know like you do 3D, you know, like a lot of times you work in models and stuff and they're going to end up looking like other people's stuff. True. Like my models look exactly like the thousands of models out there. But the only thing is that I know my concept, what I'm trying to say, my voice is original. So even if I'm using those same bald jazz models that like everybody <laughs> else is using, I know I'm saying something that you know, is unique to me. Right. So as long as that is there, I don't think it's a problem because you do any kind of work, man. You do like design illustrations, you see on Dribble, all flat illustrations, they're all this, like the same style. So nobody's really ripping off each other. It's just like a way to do it, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think I think you summed it up quite well that way. I mean, trends feed off each other. And then at the end of the day, it comes down to whether you're willing to put in your own touch or your own voice within that. And I guess at the end of the day, even if you're not, I guess, if you're just creating that itself is one step better than not doing anything at all.
1: Definitely. I I think I kind of derive that perspective also because like most of my work, like I spend 70% of my day just doing graphic design. Mm -hmm. Right. And graphic design does not require you to be like unique. It doesn't require your unique style. So then you kind of figure that to every brand, how do you Uh, adapt these things and still say something that you know the brand can say that it's it's its on you have 200 page brand manuals that just help you do that right is that we have a tone of voice and if if a fucking I'm sorry (laughs) so if like a brand which is like made by a bunch of a group of people can have so much personality I mean we've lived so many years we all have seen different things that are different than the other person so Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we all have a voice it's just about like you know how much of it you want to put out what you want to say
0: oh that's fascinating so just a couple of things i wanted to touch upon do you plan to maybe teach people as well because you definitely have gained a lot of experience over the years so and i mean just the way you describe stuff i feel like you're quite eloquent that way in terms of your the way you're describing certain facets of the industry that we work in so do you have any plans of doing that
1: uh thank you i i do actually i love teaching like i have i uh, have conducted a lot of workshops and the only thing is that it's a matter of time right like uh so i always want to like i keep looking out for right now it's all offline so i'm sorry online so i'm not a huge like uh too into it because that interaction kind of gets lesser right right now i'm talking to you it's one on one so it's good but when you're teaching a class it's very distracted so while i have taken a workshop because i finally got time in the last two years um so i really love doing that is that just like teaching like be it techniques or being it just like design or talking about like very basic things i i really love that process and i'm hoping like when things kind of go back to normal the first thing I want to do is like get in touch like with my college again and like teach in my own college because Amazing. it was such a great experience for me when somebody from the industry came in and taught us so I want to be able to give back and just uh you know interact with like all these like uh people who are like just getting started or like passionate and I want, I want to help them with that excitement that because it can be very overwhelming like I know when you look at Twitter when you look at Instagram it's like it seems like the world is there. You're just an outsider, like, you know, looking at it. So I want to help break that, make things approachable. Uh, I don't mind like sharing my entire like process. Like, in fact, I was looking forward to like doing uh introduction to 3d um, workshop where mm-hmm. I would just take them through uh, my idea of the 3d like workflow and just be like, these are the software that you can use. These are free. Just go pick this up. You want my project file. You can take it, whatever. Cause uh, that's how I learned is that people giving away knowledge, right? If there were no mentors, teachers out there, I wouldn't be here.
0: And some of the best energy I feel comes from those people trying to break into the industry because there's so much enthusiasm there. Yeah. Like I- I'm not kidding. Like,
1: so I only receive two kinds of DMS nowadays. One is that because I'm not active on Instagram, I've I've kind of lost touch uh, with social media that way, but The only two kinds of DMs I receive is one is that there are these people who are starting out and will ask me about like colleges and like, uh, you know, getting started with 3D and stuff. And the others are then just either scam DMs or promote your work at such and such. Yeah, promote your work at this. Or there'll be like, uh, yeah, just that kind of stuff. Or very few like opportunities and things just because like it's on me. But I love rep- taking my time and replying to these people because mm-hmm. I feel like they've already taken the first step. They've like uh, gotten, over, gotten over that fear and DMed a random person yeah. who seems to be in the industry and are asking the right questions, right? Like, I'm not a huge fan of people who like just reach out to me and be like, uh, can you review my portfolio? Because I'm like... <laughs> like you didn't even introduce yourself nothing like you know you're just just reaching out and doing something that i would usually charge for yeah so but there are people who generally just reach out are like clueless about it and are just looking to get a perspective
0: and i'm always ready to like help them out that's awesome man that's i mean that's the i think that's the constant cycle that keeps happening because even like now we're somewhere in the early to mid phase of our journey as an artist which is again a very long journey in itself but we are constantly learning from people who have been there far longer than us so i think it's important for us to give that knowledge and information back to the next set of people who are coming in and only then that cycle keeps you know going forward
1: yeah it has to like because that's the only way to like learn right like otherwise i know when i was in I was not in college i had no idea about this industry Mm -hmm. so if you already made the effort to find out about the industry to find out the people and to reach out to them that's a huge step ahead and you're already ahead of the curve like i like to share something interesting like just a small like so i recently like um hired my first like uh employee kind of thing okay like where it wasn't an intern i just needed a person who would work it wasn't even a collaboration because it was like, I was completely like uh, creative directing and like managing the client while I wanted one person to ideate and execute and all of those things, what I was doing till now, right? So when I actually like, uh, it, it's been a month now that I've been working with her. She's incredibly talented. Her name's Wake And we're working on this like uh, design project for a play group. And I've been managing like the client side of things, right? And I've also been like designing stuff and like helping out and art directing. But she recently told me that like she uh, kind of appreciates and she wants to learn the way that I deal with clients. And that's not something I thought was my strong suit mm-hmm. or something that I'd even consider because is it something you have to do as a freelancer? Right. But for someone who is like just working with me and is designing to say that, I was like there's just like there's so much to offer that we don't subconsciously realize because now probably she might not like it was like you know if it wasn't the most amazing like design experience she kind of learned these things of the process is that constant back and forth or whatever and uh, you never write that down in your cv you wouldn't write it down like oh i manage i speak to my clients twice a day but it's such a subconscious
0: learning experience and
1: yeah, that was very interesting to me. No, that's
0: a great point. I think as we keep working for more and more years, things that we consider are quite basic or easy for us to do actually are big steps in other people's journeys and trajectories. So I think that's a great way to put it into perspective what you've learned over yeah. the years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- It's, it helps so much when you like share that process, right? Like uh, I know you had Jishnu recently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really admire about him is that every project he does, he puts a breakdown, like, uh, and that's so fascinating because it helps people get involved in it. Mm -hmm. They're like, there's so much that goes behind it. Because as you said, like a lot of art that you see is like, you have no idea how it's made, how much effort that's put into it. And then you don't know how much value to give it. And if you're going to like make commercial art, you're going to do design. People need to know what they're paying for. That, you know, it's not just a logo that you sketched in five minutes. It's all that process that you've gone through with the research, the iterations and everything. So when like someone like Jishnu puts out the entire 3D breakdown where he's like, this was the sketch. We made storyboards. We did la, da, 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 da. That's why I need your money. Because not just making this visual thing that you're seeing, And that's how you get outsiders in by sharing your process. Not everybody would be interested in that. But I know people who um, like look at processes and they're like, I had no idea. This takes so much effort. Like, just a 3D piece. Oh, you're going to model. You're going to rig it. You're going to text it.
0: And the entire conceptual thought that goes behind just making those decisions in itself.
1: Without saying, yeah, without saying yeah that was a
0: really fun conversation as well just understanding his thought process
1: i yeah i love jishnu he's he's such a great guy and like yeah he's been at it since
0: (laughs) yeah i mean for, for me personally it's been so fun you know just i mean talking to you talking to jishnu talking to so many designers and artists from all over the world just understanding the thought process that goes behind each of these things.
1: It's so, it's so much fun. Yeah. And like what I think, like I'm achieving like with NFTs, with like NFT Asia also like, but I just want to like give a shout out to people who started it. Like, cause there's such a diverse bunch of people. I feel like, you know, I I'd love for you to even connect with them. Like there's Clara, who's like, who's an art researcher and art writer. So she's not even an artist and she started NFT Asia and she brings in a completely different perspective there's, like, Siobhan, who's, who used to be a fashion photographer. And because of the pandemic, she picked up Blender and made virtual models. Oh, what an interesting trajectory, right? And, and I've seen Siobhan's yes, work.
0: No. She has some genuinely good quality work. I mean, really top tier stuff.
1: That in one year. One year. Can you believe it? Amazing. It's so insane. Like, yeah, there's John, who's a photographer. Uh, there's Speak, who's, like, a renowned artist in, like, Singapore itself such an incredibly diverse bunch of people right and like I can't give shout outs to everyone but I wish I could but yeah I've met so many like great people and it's all around us basically and yeah it's for me like that's the best thing to connect with them and like learn and I also get to learn about different cultures which is something I'm like also way more interested in Other than art, yeah, like just the kind of food they're eating, and like kind of like I realize there's so much like common between like the Indian culture and just the Southeast Asian culture in general, right? Like you
0: know, I think you've met like a lot of people during
1: in university and stuff. Yeah, that's quite true. I think
0: I think this ties why ties back quite well when you mentioned that you had you know shifted across quite a few cities, lived in a lot of, I mean, studied in a lot of schools. Inherently, you have that need to keep talking to new people and interact with a lot of people and this kind of feeds back into that so that's really yeah
1: i it's a boon and a curse but
0: like i i embrace change Mm -hmm. i i do so just one last point that i like to generally end the conversation with is how far ahead are you thinking in terms of your trajectory as an artist as a designer are you thinking in terms of 10 to 15 years or is it more as it comes in the immediate sense of time?
1: Oh man. Um, so I would say it's right now I'm kind of living two lives in the sense of like a designer and artist. And one of my biggest priorities is to um, I'm not focusing too much of it because we're still in a pandemic. We're still locked down, but maybe when things open up, mm-hmm. I will have to prioritize. But one of my things is that I need to see where I fit in and the ratio that I want to divide my art and my design right. because as much as I say that one helps the other it's still very different industries and I don't want to leave either one of them behind I became an artist by accident like you know and uh, I became a design by designer by a very long process and I really enjoy both of those things so I just want to figure out that first and that's like uh, you know stuff that will happen I think with time as things also open up mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not thinking 10 years, 15 years ahead. I used to think that way, but just because there's so many random things that happen, who knew NFTs would enter Right. and imagine like you had a 10 year plan, NFTs enter now what? So I have given up on the 10, 15 year plan for me. It's more of a wake. right now. I am like completely like, of course, trying to balance this, but also trying to balance my work and my personal life. Cause uh, my behavior over the past like few months or even years was to double down on my work and ignore my personal life because I felt like that was the only thing making me grow but since the, like the lockdown I think a couple of months back um, there have been a lot of realizations a lot of unlearning which just to like do with my personal self mm-hmm. and I have finally gotten ready to take steps back take that like you know it's okay You know, it's okay if I don't go professionally immediately, it's all right. I need to like focus on myself, get rid of like a lot of problematic behavior that I might have had and just like completely like change my outlook because I feel like I'm growing as a person and it's important that both of those things happen organically and together. So, so like I'm just trying to like get that balance right and that's like my top priority with these things. And while I'm doing that, um, my like my plan is just like, as I said, I'm working on a series with the NFTs. I want to put that out. Um, and I have a couple of more plans with like my art and my NFTs in general this year. So maybe one more series till the end of the year. But that's about it with my design stuff. I'm going to consult till September and maybe take a little break after that. And that's it. I have a 2021 plan.
0: Nice. And
1: as you see, it has a lot of space for these random things because I really don't want to like block myself out. I am okay with like not being blocked as well right now because yeah, I feel like what started in 2020 with like uh, the whole pandemic and like my mental health situation, I want to work on that a lot more and, you know, kind of just... Cause that's when I'll feel calm from inside and I don't have to like rely on like work validation or validation from people. And I'd feel a little more settled. So I don't want to think about five, 10 years
0: before that happens. That sounds great. I think that's a great profound point, you know, in terms of taking a step back from your own work, because we derive so much meaning in our lives through the work that we do because such an important part of it. So giving yeah. away part of the time from it takes a lot of effort as well. So that's a pretty important point.
1: It does. Like I think more you talk to people, the more you realize that, you know, of course, the work is there. Like, I know, like, I might have connected to your work, but I'd connect with you way more when I actually talk to you. Exactly. And uh, if our personalities are problematic, if our personalities are shit, and you're creating amazing work, it's not worth it. Like... You've seen it on the internet. There's a million artists who are damn good at their work, mm-hmm. right? But how many of them are really like, you know, you can connect to them as people and just so I, yeah, that's what I'm like. Uh, I feel like that's the actual growth that I'm looking for is that work will happen. I know I'm passionate about it. I will keep doing it. But just realizing that you're not your mistakes, you're not the work you do, you are just you're you that's it right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean there's a whole person behind every work
1: yeah there's a person you're a human and you should treat yourself as a human more than anything
0: (laughs) wow Wow! that's a great way to end this conversation and (laughs) Uh, thank you so much great to be able to talk to you finally thank you it was so
1: yeah thank you so much it was so great being here and like I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen I was looking forward to it (laughs) <laughs> and yeah uh, all the best I'll, I'll keep like tuning in to like all the amazing people you get in awesome yeah thank you
0: cool then have a great weekend ahead and let's stay in touch via dm and looking forward to the series that you're working
1: on yeah definitely definitely Okay. Bye-bye. bye man thank you bye you're